Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. John, back again for another one. How you doing, sir? Ryan, how are you? Hey, what are we talking about today, my friend? Well, I'm intrigued. You know, I read an article from the Harvard Business Review. Not too familiar with this institution, but it piqued my interest because their whole thing is they did a, a study on a thousand salespeople. And what they came up with is this. They, they estimate that over 70% of top salespeople are born with natural instincts that play a critical role in determining their sales success. Now, conversely, less than 30% of top salespeople are self-made, meaning they've had to learn how to become top salespeople without the benefit of these natural abilities. So very, very interesting. I'd love to get your take on this. I'm kind of blindsiding you with this data, but would love to, to hear your assessment of this amazing study that was just conducted. I'm not going to argue the data because the data is what the data is, and Harvard Business Review usually does a good job of sourcing their data. But what I'm curious about is, are they drawing any inferences from that? In other words, are they saying that when you're hiring a salesperson, you should only hire somebody who's natural born? Or are they saying that they just haven't seen it? Or are they not making any inferences as to the data? They are. Um, so I'll, re- I'll expand it just a little bit. Then I'll tell you what their determination was at the end of this whole whole thing. So... Their thing is for every 100 people who enter sales without any natural sales traits, 40% will fail or quit. 40% will perform at average, right? Like an average performing rep. And only 20% will be above average. And they take into consideration that the figures vary by industry and the complexity of the product sold. So their final synopsis of this was what determines whether or not a a self-made sales becomes successful they believe there's four key factors that determine the self-made salesperson's destiny. There, okay. I'm going to go into this later, but their language specialization, modeling of experiences, political acumen, and greed, which is very interesting. They expand that later. But as the bottom line here is, the question was, are top salespeople born or made? The true answer, according to this article, is that the overwhelming majority of top salespeople are gifted with innate talents. That's their takeaway. Okay. Okay. Did you know that there is a correlation? You don't. You know why you should not. When a new child is born, do you know why you should not give them milk? Do you wear this? No, because I my wife breastfeeds, so I'm not sure. Right. Well, well, that she shouldn't be doing that because because the vast majority of serial killers started off their life drinking milk. You know, I heard that in a radio show. It was, it was a uh, a uh, Phil Henry. Radio show. It's funny that you mentioned that. It's the only time I've ever heard that, and, and now that's pretty funny. Yeah. So, so you can take you can take any set of statistics. So let me let me dig into this because you you know how I love to rip this kind of stuff apart. Right. Um. First of all, what what are the assumptions that they went into the study with? And 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 first of all, I would be willing to bet you that if they did a decent job of gathering statistics, it takes time to gather statistics, and, and a lot of this stuff tends to be a couple of years old before it gets published by necessity, right? Not, not much you can do about that. Um, and are they saying that when you just take people off the street, people who want to be in sales, and you just look at the sales profiles, you know, then that's the, the data that they come up with. And I say, okay, that's fine. But I say, wait a minute. What happens if you look at the question from the perspective of 
if I set about to create a top salesperson, do I do better taking from the pool of people without natural tendencies or do I do better for pay, taking the pool with natural tendencies? So if you looked at the problem differently and said, I want to create the, the ultimate salesperson as opposed to saying to somebody, oh, because the inference is, oh, if you want really good salespeople, then they have to have innate, innate talents. And I would argue against that. I would argue against that heavily. Really? Very much so. Well, here, and I so. think I think what we're missing is that this is not just based on salespeople, but top performing salespeople. So what they did was they administered personality tests to a thousand top B2B salespeople, right? So what they found was there were key personality traits in all of these people that directly influenced top performing selling styles and in turn their success. So again, you know, we're born with certain personality traits. You know, you've seen these tests. There's so many of them, brain mapping tests, personality tests, whatever. And that's why I think a lot of these businesses are now more inclined to give these tests before you come in because it really gives a window into who you are at the core and are, do you have these innate skills that some of you can't teach, you know, timing you can't teach. There's a lot of things you really can't teach. Um, killer instinct, by the way, is, is very tough to teach and you need killer instinct to be a top salesperson in my humble opinion. And I believe that's what, where they're going with this. Yes, you can take a salesperson and train them in certain factors that will make them successful, but not in the top percentile. And I think that's what they're focusing on here. I'm so glad you walked right into that. I am so glad that I didn't even have to coax you into that. And you just stepped on the trap. It opened up and down into the pit you fell, Brian. I'm so <laughs> glad you did that. I love it. Did I fall into it or did the study fall into it? You fell into it, my friend. So here's what I would, here's what I suggest you do or anybody else does. Um, Cause it is, it is really interesting. Dr. Benjamin Hardy just released his new book. Personality isn't permanent. Okay. Where he talks about the fact that your personality not only can change, but it can change at will based upon how much work you put into it. And where he talks about all of these personality tests, whether you're red, green, blue, or whether you're a D, or whether you're a Myers-Briggs, he says all of them are basically useless and false. And he's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of support to this in science, that personality measurements are measuring a specific point in time, which could also be a specific mood or a specific attitude, and they're not really measuring you because you, your personality is fluid, it is flexible, and it is changeable. So True. here's my point to you. Here's my point to you. I firmly believe from experience that sales is really four parts. There are four parts to sales. Two parts are science, and the two parts that are science are process and value creation. And science typically can be taught, all right? The art of sales, in other words, what sets apart the higher performers is rapport building. And, and they, in, in your, in your uh, Harvard Business Review, they, they termed it political acumen. It's the same thing. The fourth component is attitude. So we've already agreed that you can teach the first two, the science parts, the process, and the value creation. But we've also proven that you can teach rapport building and you can teach attitude and you can train attitude. So my question is, if you take somebody and you properly train them in all four of these areas, 
will you have as much of a discrepancy in somebody who doesn't start out life in their first five or seven or eight years with those attitudes? And I would say you're probably going to come up to about a 50-50. Maybe, but I, I'll tell you this. So to your argument about the personality test being valid, I, I can give you that. But, however, these tests were given to 1,000 people at the exact same time. And what they did was, whether they're true or false or accurate or not accurate, traits came up in all of them consistently. So they administered the test to these 1,000 people, let's say on a Tuesday the 15th, right? Every one of them they all have the same similar traits and they're all top performers. So there's a connection, you know, whether the personality tests are flawed or whatever, these traits came out of all of them consistently and they all happen to be top performers. So there's a, there's a, a uniformity there, right? Now the way they define political acumen is the ability to correctly map out each decision makers, influence and motivations, successful self-made salespeople consider this is their top priority. Political acumen drives winning account strategy, whereas strategic planning without political acumen is a losing proposition, right? No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. People don't have the gift of that. It just, it is what it is. I mean, you, I mean, I've talked to many people about this. You think you can teach Donald Trump rapport, you know, and how to, yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You tell me some people but, are uncoachable, my friend. Right. But what I'm, no, some people are, but all, all I'm saying is, that, that the only reason you do a study like this is because you're trying to solve a problem. And the problem you're trying to solve is you're trying to solve the problem of a shortage of highly qualified, highly skilled salespeople. That's what you're trying to solve. So well, all they're doing is they're saying to senior management, hey, Harvard Business Review, we did a study. If you want to go find top performing salespeople, then here's what you got to look for. And what I'm saying is I think that's the wrong question to be asking. The right question to be asking is since you have a shortage of people, right? You, nobody can find all the unicorns and all the unicorns aren't going to go to you anyhow. All I'm suggesting is that the right question to ask is, is there a way to produce top performing salespeople from a generalized pool? And my response is from what I've seen, the answer is yes, but you have to work to create it. That's all I'm suggesting. So well, I'm yeah, I mean, you can teach people to be lawyers. You can teach them to be dentists, you know, but again, I think this is focusing on the top tier and there's consistencies amongst that elite group. Um, Agreed. But, but can you, can you so create them? That's all. Right. And I think that when you look at the numbers that we look at, it either reflects the fact that either a, they can't be created, which you believe they can, or B, the people are just not doing it the proper way that people are just, they're, they're shitty teachers out there. They're just not, investing and in actually creating those good salespeople. They're not instilling these, these skill sets. They're not taking time to teach these skill sets. Therefore, the people that aren't born with them or don't have them or whatever you, you, you classify it as are failing, right? So it's, a very, inter it's very, very interesting. I go, I go back to what, and, and, and I know I'm going to get just sick of my continuing to quote this, but I, I just believe it so much. I go back to Moneyball. What was he taking? Was he taking superstars? Absolutely not. Did he go to the, to the World Series? Yes, he absolutely did, or the team did after he left, all right? But he was taking ordinary people, creating a program, creating a, a playbook where these people could be successful, training them in the role that they had to do, making sure that there was synergy, that there was alignment, fixing all the broken cogs in the process, and he turned out a World Series team. That's all I'm yeah. suggesting. And I think that, that the issue is that sales management looks at it from the perspective of the Harvard Business Review study and says, oh, 
what this is telling me is the only way I'm going to get top performers is to test for these qualities. As opposed to saying, if there's a shortage of top performers, can I create my own top performers? And then doing the work. But it takes work. It takes dedication. Sure. Maybe they don't want to do it. Maybe they, because that's a tough job to create winners. It I is. mean, I've done it and I, and I absolutely enjoy it because when you create a winner, um, it, it's the most amazing experience that you'll ever have. But so I think more often than not, more often than not, John, a winner has the fundamentals and you build on top of that foundation. And what I mean by that is somebody who has work ethic, somebody who's, you know, the antithesis of lazy, somebody who is, is punctual, has timing instincts, you know, all of those things that we talked about in our last episode, having those fundamentals and then building on top of that. So I think this, the point to this article really is, is that this is not trying to take people off the hook as far as the process, the ongoing training, the tools, the support and whatnot. I think if they, they, they're looking for people like with this foundation, with these innate abilities and these skill sets to build upon. And I think that it's very tough. And I've, I've you know, had many people that reported to me in the past that, listen, you, you find out they are lazy people. They do take their foot on the gas and they coast to the, to the finish line. You do have people that you know, are, are not punctual. You have people that aren't organized, right? It's very tough to teach these things. You could drum it on all day long and whether they want it or not, and they give a shit, that's when it really comes down, what it really comes down to. And sometimes but I think, I think we're talking about two different things. All I'm saying, the, the question is, are salespeople, can our salespeople made or taught historically they're, they're made. I mean, they're, they're made because of their, their innate skills. But what I'm saying to you is I, I firmly believe from what I've experienced, what I've seen, that if you have a good teaching program and if you're committed to teaching, that you can get similar results at the same percentage level with folks that don't have those again, skills. Again, John, yes, I agree. But you can teach people how to close. You can give them process. You can do everything. If they don't ask for the order, like we just saw in, the, in our last episode, what's the point? You know, it's like they I've done everything trained. right, but you don't get the sale, right? You don't close. But or then they weren't trained. Late to the meeting or you're just lazy. You're not prospecting. You're not picking up the phone. Um, all of these things, that's what I think this, this, they attribute this study to is that, yes, you can teach everybody anything. It's just how they utilize it. It's, it's in that meeting. It's how – it's the cadence. It's the approach. It's, it's everything. And if you don't have that fundamental foundation of those certain skills that some of them you absolutely cannot teach, and I, I can attest to that, you are not going to get not, – not just a salesperson, a top salesperson, meaning the top salespeople, you have to check the box on every one of these things. And if one cog is broken internally within themselves and the skill is missing, you're not going to be the top. Yes, you'll get by, but you're not going to be a consistent top performer. And I would, I would love to find somebody who's willing to invest the time and energy to, to disprove you, Brian. I hate to say it, but I would love to find somebody because I completely disagree. That well, I've never found anybody that can. And I'll tell you, you, you cannot – listen, the only person that can overcome laziness is, is that person. I can't put a gun to your head and make you do something, right? You've got to take ownership of it. As a manager, I can't take a Smith & Wesson point to your temple and say, pick up the phone. I can't do that. I can't make them ask for the order. I can't you – know, can, we've done how many coaching in summer? I said, look, you've got to want it. You've got to take ownership. It's, it's I cannot spoon feed you, baby. I can cut your steak. I can put it in your mouth. You've got to chew it and swallow it. You know what I mean? That, that's the bottom line. And I think people – Again, if they want it enough, they'll go, they'll go get it. But there are certain people, and, and we all have I've seen this, it's not the right fit because they are very smart people. They don't know how to execute it. 
They don't give the effort. They are, again, they're lazy. They're disorganized. They're disruptors. They're the, they're, they're, they're the know-it-all. They're the smartest guy in the room. There's no rapport. There's something missing. Yes, you can teach how to do it. But again, I can't make anybody do anything. That, that's, so that's I, I, will, I will point you in the direction of another movie. You love these movies, don't you? Yeah, we, sh- we share our love for movies. Yes, that's we right. do. And the movie I will point you to is The Blind Side, because I know you love your sports movies. I do. Blue Chips is my favorite. I will have to watch that this weekend. Nick Nolte, he's, he's amazing. He is amazing. Um, and, and if you remember Blind Side, the interesting notion was that the, the, the kid was, because he had been left back, he was, he was playing um, in an age group that was below him, but he, he was still, he was still um, eligible to play. So you had an individual with a tremendous amount of a size advantage, and thus he had a strength advantage too, but he couldn't figure out how to put it all together. He didn't have the motivation. He didn't have the drive to put it all together. He was missing blocks. I don't know if you remember this or not. And, and uh, Sandra Bullock, as the mom, came out to tell the coach because what she found about him was that he was highly family protective and was able to tell the coach how to trigger his highly family protective notion that turned him into a superstar. It wasn't, it wasn't that there was anything wrong with him outside of the fact that he didn't know how to turn that switch, but somebody turned that switch for him. And once that switch was turned, everything fell into place. And what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is we don't do enough of a good job, a good enough job, I should say, to help understand people's switches and to turn those switches on. It's a lot easier for us um, as coaches in sports, as sales managers in the business world to just simply say, oh, the guy doesn't have the ability. Oh, the guy doesn't have the natural talent. Uh, oh, I can't find somebody with that. So, uh, you know what? Too bad. It's not going to work. Goodbye and send them out the door. And I'm saying that's wrong, it's short-sighted, and it misses the whole point of what you're trying to accomplish. That's all. No, it is, and it's a case-by-case. It's a case. I mean, obviously, my thing is you have to have certain things. That's why there's a hiring process and a vetting process because you want to know, is this person the right fit? Do they tick the boxes fundamentally to come in for me to actually train, invest myself in this person and train this person? And there's a, a tremendous upside on this person coming in. And that's why we do that. But yeah, you do have to find people's motivation. You have to find their strengths and their weaknesses. And you have to, exactly, you have to know exactly how to communicate with that person. It's not a big catch-all approach, a big group approach. It's an individual approach. And a lot of people don't do that. And that's a downfall of a, of a, of a manager. And we can talk about that coming up in a couple of podcasts. I think what, tomorrow we're talking about seven types of sales managers, which is going to be very, very interesting. But uh, this is a great debate. I think we're scratching the surface here, John. Either way, there's one thing that's missing, and it's what you mentioned, a lack of support in some instances. It's a lack of personal investment into your people's success, and it's a lack of really effort in getting to know that person and their strengths, their weaknesses, what drives them, what motivates them, their fears, their, their downfalls, whatever it may be, to be able to refine it and bring it out of them like they did in that movie you mentioned. You know, They had to really take a vested interest in driving that person. They became very successful because of it. And again, everyone needs a coach. Everyone needs a motivator. We've all had days where we're down and we're questioning ourselves. We need somebody to come in and make us better. And sometimes it's what we don't want to hear, but it's better for us in the long run. So I do agree with that. Yes, totally. But 
subject. We will continue to debate this this concept as we go forward. Um, and and the only thing I would I would end with is just remember the Sea Biscuit story, and that uh, that should tell you an awful lot. And I will leave you with that as we go off to go find some more uh, beef Wellington. John, I love it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the Thank rest you, of the Brian. day. Thank you, Brian. We'll chat soon. Looking forward to the next session, sir. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It was great spending time with you today. Maybe you liked what you heard. Maybe we sparked some controversy. Maybe we got you excited. But hopefully we got you thinking. Hey, we want to hear from you. If the topic resonated with you, if you have a comment, or if you have an issue you're serious about fixing, reach out to us today. Hey, Brian, how can you get in touch with us? Great question, John. Best ways email. Email us at results at onebrokencog.com. Together, we're going to help you make small adjustments that's going to lead to major impacts in your business and your revenue.